Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Oh, and speaking of being healthy, modern lovers, it is so important that we deal with one of the things that can be very troubling for most of us, but at the end of the day, maybe it can also be healthy, and that's conflict. Now, how many times have you had conflict with a family member, with a beloved partner, spouse, a child, uh, let's see, a coworker? <laughs> We've all had conflict. It is so much a part of human relationships that we wanted to have a special guest with us today, Allison Tabor, who is hands down an expert on dealing with conflict, especially in the workplace, because that can really get in the way of our success. And when there's conflict at work, I'm pretty sure there's also going to be some fallout at home. So this is one of the ways we can take care of ourselves, because as human beings, we're primed to respond to stress with a fight-or-flight response. Sometimes it's freeze. And these choices often are not appropriate, especially in the workplace. So we need to find ways to address conflict that's a, that's a direct, assertive, and still respectful, even diplomatic way of handling things. So here at Modern Love, we know that real love and health are related, that the healthier your love life is, the healthier your body is. And we want to make sure you've got all the tools in your toolbox that you need, including how to prevent and resolve conflict. So you can visit me at www.drbrendaway.com. Or what I would love more than anything is if you would come and work with me in person in our Modern Love Academy here in San Francisco for some of our once-a-month trainings. Second Saturday of July, July 14th, is the next second Saturday training that we're doing and it's going to be interesting, I think. It's called Five Keys to Unlock Your Highest Love, Money, and Yes, Sex Vibrations. Because everything in the universe is energy. All energy is connected. All energy is magnetic. Those are the first three laws of quantum physics. And we are going to work with those laws as it relates to love, money, and sex. So join me. You can go to Eventbrite and register yourself. If you register in the next three days, you will get the early, early bird registration and save $100. How about that? Okay, let's get to our Dear Dr. Brenda question, and please keep sending your questions. I love them. This one says, Dear Dr. Brenda, what's the proper length of time for a best friend to begin seeing her best friend's ex? Ooh, loaded. Although I broke off the relationship, mostly because of his verbal and emotional abuse, am I wrong to be upset 
that they start seeing each other two days later and then call me to tell me what a great time they had together. She says they're only friends, but it seems everywhere I go, places she and I used to go together, they're always there, and I'm the one left alone. Ticked off in Tulsa. Oh, Tulsa, I feel for you, dear. This is a mess, an absolute mess mess because when your best friend crosses these kinds of boundaries with your ex it has to be painful and there's nothing you can do about what they're doing you're going to have to do something about how you're feeling and to set the boundaries that are healthy for you take care of yourself you haven't even healed yet from this relationship being over and now you're dealing with as you said in your letter your best friend and your ex being a pair So this is where I want to recommend that you do some self-love work. That means sitting down and meditating, number one, on what you learned in this relationship with the ex. Number two, what you've learned about your best friend and how you can apply those lessons to making better choices in the future and loving yourself more. I hear boundaries, boundaries, boundaries that need to be worked on. All right, Tulsa, stay in touch. So let me tell you more about our guest today. As a successful CEO of her executive coaching and consulting firm, Allison Tabor focuses on effective communication and strategic planning. With a love of business and behavioral science, Allison is a master connector, and I can tell you from personal experience with our wonderful guest that's true because I met her and instantly said, this is somebody we need to bring to our audience so that you can learn about her magic of connecting people because who doesn't need more connections? That's what makes the world go around. She seeks to understand and to help people, and she's made a difference with hundreds of executives in a variety of industries, including professional services, manufacturing, retail, distribution, and wineries. That sounds like fun. Many of which are family-owned businesses, and you know how much fun it is to work with your family, everybody. It's a good thing they've got Allison. I've worked with a lot of families, Allison, and I know it can be tricky to have a family business. So Allison is here today to help us tackle the subject of conflict resolution and give us tips you can use right now in your professional life and some that are transferable to your personal life, as in your love life, everybody. Let me tell you now, her website is www copiaadvisory.com that's spelled C-O-P-P-I-A copiaadvisory.com Welcome to the show, Allison Tabor. Well, hello. I'm so thrilled to be here with you and your audience. This is an exciting time to be able to chat with you uh, online. (laughs) Good. I appreciate it. And we've had some conversations, Allison, about your work, and one of the things I'm always curious about is what was it in your own life, your own background, that drew you to this kind of work, being a coach, advising people, teaching people about conflict resolution? 
I, I would say it came from being exposed to various types of conflicts firsthand. Uh, I started out, I worked actually with my husband for 23 years. And if you could imagine working with your spouse, see there's things that uh, are incredibly powerful and positive, and then there's also these challenges of where, you know, you, you can step on each other's toes very easily. And oh, no, Allison, so that, I can't imagine that. <laughs> so I'd say starting with that, and then I also had a team, and watching the team interact, and what what I experienced firsthand is when my team were all getting along, we had a very successful output of whether it was project work, clients were satisfied, things were great. And it was somewhat of, I would almost say it was like a bipolar existence. When it was good, it was great. When it was bad, it was awful. And the situations that we experienced where they were, let's say, more challenging often led to some form of a conflict. And we had very different personalities you know, on our team. We had engineers. We had drafters. We had our administrative support. And they each had different approaches and different styles. And oftentimes those different styles were not coming together very supportively and cooperatively simply by just being so different. And once we learn more about, about that and how to understand people's styles and motivations and approaches and, and develop certain strategies on how, how to help each other Yeah, well, interact. it sounds like a family. It sounds like the kinds of things you face in your family. Everyone has different personalities and communication styles, but also as in a family on a work team, you're all playing different roles. Because I know in in my family uh, there was the executive team. That was myself, my older sister, and the sister who's one year younger because there's so many of us. And then we had the other part of the team, which were the people uh, who needed to, in my opinion, be bossed around. And that didn't go over well. Well, it's interesting you say family because oftentimes you hear that phrase in business, especially with small businesses. You hear, oh, we're like a family and and we treat our our employees as if they are family. And I I think that's a well-intended sentiment. I think what what happens, though, it it can often lead to some some problems that we also see in families. And a great, great way to bring that point home is I had a conversation with the Cal rugby coach, Jack Clark, years ago, and he was, she was, taking his team year after year through a success to, to success with a championship. And I was curious if what the correlation was with that success to business. And I asked him, is there any lessons, are there any lessons that you can share with us that would be helpful to know uh, in business that, you know, that where can we get our teams, our business teams to be successful? He said, well, one of the things that I see is a lot of people treat their, their employees as family and they refer to their businesses as families. And the challenge with that is oftentimes families are dysfunctional. And what I have is a highly functioning team. So on my team and why we're able to be successful and take it to championship is everyone knows what part they play within our team. They're held accountable for the role that they're playing, and they understand the impact that they have when they deliver or they don't. And I thought, wow, that's a great analogy that could be applied. in. Yeah, it's pretty clear because no family – has clear rules like that because there's so right. much emotional uh, content in a family. And, of course, you know, it's hard for people to be at work and not develop a relationship with a colleague. Everybody has friends at work, and sometimes those friends become friends outside of work. Is sure. that why there's so much conflict in the workplace? I don't think it has so much to do with the fact that people are interacting and being collegial because oftentimes, and especially for the younger generation, the up-and-coming up and generation, it's, there's often uh, no boundaries when it comes to that work, uh, work, social 
dynamic. They're they're working together, then they're going out and, and they're playing sports together. They're they're going out for after after hour happy hours. They're doing all kinds of things together. Yeah, and isn't so there sure research that. that shows that those teams that are built at work that are really strong actually, you know, and they go out and they're collegial and have you know the after hours party and the the um, I remember um, there was one shall remain nameless, very large tech firm uh, that I was working with, and they were forming all kinds of sports teams after work mm-hmm. for everyone to go out because they said it improved work in the workplace, which makes sense to me. Yeah, so I don't think having too much togetherness causes conflict. I think having the wrong type of togetherness and not having a, a, a good understanding of each other and having certain strategies in place, that leads to conflict. So not, not the more, amount of Allison, when you say it's not being together that causes conflict, you just said a lot. You said it's really not having the right kind of togetherness or understanding and roles. So in... In your experience, because I know you have a lot of experience with this, what is it that leads to conflict in the workplace? I, I would say almost the same thing that, that leads to conflict outside of the workplace. The number one thing that I see over and over again, people just want to be heard. And they're often feeling unheard. And how they feel heard can, can be very different. So when we go, go through any type of, of a situation, let's say at work where you have certain expectations in your mind, someone else has a different set of expectations, they're not feeling heard because you're communicating with them through your own preferences. You have your own filters and how you're listening. You have your own preferences and how you're communicating. And it's almost like you ha- you're speaking different dialects. You're not connecting because one person's talking up, the other person's talking sideways, and you're just you're talking at each other, but you're really not connecting. And then there are people who are talking down. Well, yes, that's, that's an entirely different subject. We yeah. could spend an entire <laughs> yeah. session on that alone. Uh, but I do think the number so one source... So there are different communication is, styles, you're saying, and people aren't being heard. Yes, yes and yes. Wow. Okay, so there's something else also that when we were preparing to talk with you, you also said there are ways that people respond to conflict, and there's a whole list of them. Can -hmm. you walk us through that a little bit and how that's affected by what you just said, people creating conflict because they're not being heard and talking at each other as opposed to listening. Sure. Well, I think how how we're responding and how how we manage conflict, I think there's two things that are that are at play. There's this, these traditional reactions to our triggers. So when we're triggered by different things, we can slip into different types of responses to those triggers. So we might become very defensive or we might, you know, we might withdraw and pull away. Uh, the, we, we might start, we might become competitive and we feel like a need to compete with the person. So there's all these different uh, methods in, of, of how people tend to try and, and resolve conflict. Some of them are constructive and some not so much. Uh, and even accommodating. People think accom- that accommodating is a, is a constructive conflict resolution model. I, I don't see that as such because when you're accommodating, you're often giving in and you feel like you're giving in. So unless you're accommodating with complete detachment and you're okay with, with giving up something, that could even be destructive to yeah, yourself. Yeah, I can and- see that backfiring, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a corollary yeah. to when, I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking about 
family dynamics, couples dynamics, the things that I work with every day and, and in all of our trainings and coaching programs because this accommodating is often related to codependence. And codependents mm-hmm. who look so sweet and they're so helpful often end up being some of the angriest or the most depressed people. Because or passive-aggressive. <laughs> yeah, passive-aggressive, too. They've given up the store, and they're not all that happy about it. So yeah. you're saying yeah. accommodating, not so great. And, of course, the people who want to be, you know, the authority and trying to take over are going to create some conflict. What about those who are avoiders? Avoiding isn't a, a good thing either. Uh, there are people who who don't want to even engage in conversation because conversation can actually feel confrontational to them, and they don't want to have that. And the thing is, co- conflict itself is not wrong or bad. Conflict is actually good if it's if it's healthy conflict and it's managed you know well. Uh, it's it's not very good for certainly not good for companies and not good for relationships if there's if everything is always on this you know equilibrium where there's no there's no shades of of excitement and opportunities and, and emotions if everything is flat all the time that's not necessarily a good thing for any business or personal right, relationship. Right, there's no growth. There's no growth if there's nothing right. that's there that's a challenge. Then we're not growing. You know, I I say this constantly, and I want to say it again to everybody. As Allison is talking about resolving conflict, it's not the avoiding the conflict. That's the grand prize. It's what you learn as you move through the conflict more skillfully, which is what Allison is helping us with. So, Allison, Mm -hmm. when you come into a situation where there's a high level of conflict, what's the first thing that you do? Uh, the first thing I do is I, I bring in a, a tool called DISC. It's D-I-S-C, and that's an acronym. It stands for four different communication styles. It's a really fa- great foundational tool to, to understand people's different communication styles. And oftentimes people don't realize it's their bias that is impacting their situation. So if you have a bias, let's say you're an extreme extrovert and you want results and you're all about let's make things happen and someone's more of an introvert and they want careful, thoughtful time to process and think, just putting those two people together can cause a sense of, of angst and, and conflict between them before, before anything is even personal. Even though it feels personal, oftentimes just these different styles can be antagonistic to another person with a different style. So I always start off that with makes I sense. do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking as a off. high extrovert, <laughs> <laughs> the two of us, yeah. yes, we can be hard on introverts, that's for sure. <laughs> well, and I love, I love, intro- I, I have a great respect for introverts, and I can't say that, that before I, I became so aware and so proficient at using these communication tools that it was always like that. There were times when I, I spent more time with extroverts only because it was harder to necessarily interact and understand uh, how to communicate with an introvert. And now most of my clients actually, <laughs> ironically, are introverts who are trying to, to navigate in a world with a lot of extroverts. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot that we can learn from each other. And, and it, it's not good to surround yourself with people that are just like you. It's more comfortable, but it's not better. Better yes, surrounding yourself with your compliment. And that, that, again, that takes us back to that model of, Plant yourself where you can get enough water, fertilizer, and maybe even some rocks that you have to push in order to grow. So in this, in this model with the disc, 
you do an assessment, find out what people's communication style is and how that's contributing to the conflict, and then what's the important thing for people to do to begin to resolve those conflicts, whether it's in the workplace or at home? I'd say probably one of the most important things that they could do is to stop treating people the way they want to be treated and instead start treating people the way they want to be treated, the other person. We have a bias of how we want to be approached, how we want to be treated, and we take that into every interaction. So if I want X, I go to you and I expect X and I'm disappointed or frustrated or angry that I don't get X. Instead, is, is to become more neutral and be aware that you may want X, but maybe someone wants Y. And if we go around connecting with people from our perspective without taking into account what they want, then we're going to be disappointed all the way around. So treating people the way they want to be treated as opposed to how we want to be treated. And so that requires actually sitting with someone and saying, my preferences are X, and I'm curious, what's your preference? What works better for you? So what would be the most skillful way to ask questions about that in terms of how people want to be treated? Do they need more time alone? Do they need more quiet time? Do they need more time to um, process their thoughts before they get in a discussion about solving issues? Are those some of the questions we might lean into, if you will? Well, it depends if you're talking about it in the business context. If you have the tools and resources, like, for example, DISC becomes the, the introduction to having that dialogue because once we learn that we have these different styles, there are preferences. So we can say, okay, a high D likes this, this, and this, and not that, that, and that. I likes this, and I doesn't like that. How about you? And then we can develop, okay, and I, and I actually have a list of top things that people like and don't like that's set, set up by different styles that it becomes a guideline for people to be able to, to express that. But if you don't have that tool, you can still do it. As a matter of fact, here's a great resource. Your, your listeners may appreciate this book called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's a and, really interesting book. And yeah, I think and it that, helps people, yeah. And that's a, that is a, a, a way to demonstrate that we all have different ways in which we feel appreciated, where we feel love from another. So if, if for example, one of the – there's a, five different languages that we all we feel acknowledged by. So there's words of affirmation and the physical touch and acts of service and right. gift-giving right. and quality time. And so, for example, I'm an acts of service person. So, Brenda, if you do something, you go out of your way, you do something for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was so amazing. I so appreciate that. And if you say, Allison, you're amazing, and you say all these great things, I like it like everyone else, but my bucket doesn't get filled by words, by right. words of affirmation. That totally makes sense. Now, one of the things that you also talk about is how to start moving toward the conflict so you can get to resolution. I wish we had more time, but we're going to have to move through that fairly quickly. You say consider the importance of the relationship and your role uh, in conflict. Yes, I would say definitely consider the importance of, of the relationship. Uh, also, think about you and where you are. What's your temperature? Are you emotionally charged? How neutral are you? Are you approaching positively? Uh, are you getting permission from the other person to even address the conflict, and is there agreement to move forward to resolve it? And the number one thing I would say is listening. It's listen, is, is, is listen more and talk less. That makes a lot of sense, and I like that thing about taking your your temperature. You know, we have halt. Never, ever have a conversation that's important if you're too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Halt, 
take care of yourself, calm down, get some food, rest, whatever you have to do is you can come into the resolution mode with your brain working because when we're too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, the brain is offline. And Mm -hmm. that's super important. So, Allison, what would you say is the most useful thing you'd like to offer our audience in terms of bringing some of these tools home, say, in a love relationship because we're Modern Love Radio? I would say it personally is to pause. I think there's so much power in the pause. We're moving so quickly that we're not realizing the impact that we're having on others and we're not really listening listening intently we are distracted i would say take take closer uh take take more time to pay attention to you and the other person you're with and be present so if you're not present you're going to miss huge cues that are being sent your way there's lots of cues so i would say the power in the pause there's power in paying attention to yourself Mm -hmm. and how you're approaching and the power in what the person's saying and, and acknowledging people uh, in a way that they are comfortable with being acknowledged, not just say, oh, okay, 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 let's go. Okay, I got it, I got it, and moving on. Well, that person is not feeling heard. And I think, like, you, I know reflective listening can be helpful when you say it in a way that's natural, not, well, what I hear you saying, and they feel like they're being controlled or manipulated, but right, like, exactly. oh, okay, exactly. Brenda, I get it. You want us to wrap this up, so we need to, we need to, we need to, sh- we need to start moving along. Yeah, is that what you want to do? Yeah, and wrapping like it up, we have to have you back and – I have an opportunity for you, everyone. I wish we had more time with Allison today, but you can have time with Allison in August, our second Saturday of the month live training that I talked about at the top of the show. We've got one coming up July 14th. And second Saturday of August, guess who our special guest will be? It will be Allison Tabor, dealing with conflict in relationships as part of the training for that day because that whole day is going to be on learning the best state-of-the-art tools for communicating in a love relationship. And whether you're single, married, widowed, divorced, LGBTQ or straight, doesn't matter your background, we can all learn how to communicate better. So you're going to get a chance, Allison, people will get a chance to do the DISC test and find out what kind of communication style they have, and that will be really fun. So everyone, please, if you want to be part of that training or the one in July, you can register yourself by sending me an email at love at docway.com or just go to Eventbrite, register yourself. And if you register for both those trainings, you get a special discount. So Allison Tabor, once again, everyone, Allison can be reached at copiaadvisory.com, C-O-P-I-A, advisory, A-D-V-I-S-O-R-Y.com. That's her website, and she is, hands down, as you all now know, an expert at helping businesses to resolve conflict, become more successful, do more team building, in the highest level way and find out what the communication style is on your team so everyone can get some more. Thank you, Allison. So appreciate you. Oh, thank you, you Brenda. I, I'm delighted to have been on, and I, it's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. 
good. We're looking forward to having you also in our classroom in August. And big thank you to our executive producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning, and to all you modern lovers, learn better, love better. Blessings.